Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and today I'm joined by Cheryl Maffei to talk about Psalm 52. Cheryl is a wonderful contributor to life here at Granite Springs Church. She leads one of our women's Bible studies here and has done so for many years. She's a student and lover of the Bible, and as you'll hear, and as she shared with me, she's at her happiest when she can talk about God's Word. Cheryl's love for God and the way that impacts her life on a daily basis is so wonderfully evident, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation I have with her. So to begin, here's Cheryl reading Psalm 52. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God? You who practice deceit, your tongue plots destruction. It is like a sharpened razor. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at you, saying, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people, and I will hope in your name, for your name is good. Cheryl, welcome to Curious Psalms. Thank you, Matt. This is fun. I was reflecting ahead of time. You know, you study and read the Bible quite a bit, and you talk about it with people. I study and read the Bible quite a bit and talk about it, but you often do that in the context of a women's Bible study, Yes. where I'm not welcome, and <laughs> I often do it from the context of a stage where we don't get to have a conversation. So That's this true. is a special thing where yeah. finally we can uh, meet, ha- have some conversation, the two of us. That's so true. Thanks for being willing. We were also talking right before we started that much like Psalm 51, this psalm has some context to it. And I wondered, you were talking about diving into that. Maybe mm-hmm. you want to set us up a little bit. Yeah, well, this heading, let me yeah. turn the page back, got me intrigued. For the director of music, a Amaskil of David, when Doeg, the Edomite, had gone to Saul and told him, David has gone to the house of Ahimelech. Well, I didn't know who any of those people were other than David. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, and Saul. Yeah, yeah, David and Saul. That's, and that's what I got. Okay. So, yeah, it turns out that this directs us to an event, a historical event that is referenced in 1 Samuel verses 21 and 22. And so in reading that, I was really taken aback by mm. what had transpired. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty intense. So David is fleeing kind of in, I think, First Samuel 20. Jonathan says, okay, you're right, David. My daddy is trying to kill you. Get out of here. David flees, and the place he goes is to Nob, where Ahimelech is a priest, right? Mm-hmm. And David tells Ahimelech, in fact, right, I'm on a secret mission from, from the king. So I'm on the king's secret mission. Yeah. Can you help me out? Ahimelech says, sure, I'll help you out. Here's Goliath's sword. Here's some food for you and your men. And he goes on his way. And Doeg, the Edomite, who's referenced in the title is there when that happens. So he goes on. There's some other things that happen in the meantime, but eventually Saul finds out. Doeg goes to Saul and says, hey, Ahimelech, this priest helped out your enemy. And he calls him and Ahimelech, of course, says, I had no idea, which is true. He had no idea. David David misrepresented what he was really there for. And But I wouldn't have done anything. I was just doing what I'd always done because David is one of your most loyal men. But 
when Saul turns to his men and says, kill the priest. Right. They refuse. Yes. Which I thought, wow. Like, I feel like if you're in charge, that should be like a bit of a sign (laughs) that you're going down the wrong path. Well, that's true too. That's true Um, too. But then he turns to Doeg and Doeg is in fact kills not only Ahimelech, but his whole family, really the community. And I think 85. 85 priests and and the town, the women, the children, donkeys was mentioning that he just wipes out. Yeah anyone so yeah it was so brutal so at first when i i read that without knowing the context when i was reading psalm 52 it's like boy you know david's really pointing fingers here he's being pretty hard on this guy and so forth and then you read the event and you Uh think oh my there there aren't enough words yeah for what that really was yeah that's well said well With that context, kind of heavy context for both Psalm 51 and Psalm 52. But let's dive into our questions because I'm curious, Cheryl, yeah, as you read this psalm then, what stood out to you in reading it? Again, first of all, I was curious about what was going on. Yeah. Obviously, there was something there. And then second of all, the tone. Always when I'm reading in the psalms, especially David's, but even others, there's such real emotion in what he Mm. writes that, and it, in reading it more than once, you see where, you know, he's really upset and using very strong language and hoping for uh, Doeg's destruction by God. And then you see this turning, and there's always this turning in David's Psalms, Mm. uh, this turning of back to God and back to his goodness and back to being in right relationship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was struck by the contrasts in this psalm, which I think what you're naming in that turning is some of what I was seeing as well, because there's two people actually addressed in this psalm. Doeg, or this mighty hero anyway, is addressed for much of the psalm, right? Uh, like that is the you. Why do you boast of mm-hmm. evil, you mighty hero? So it has this kind of interesting layer where it's not it's not really a prayer to God to bring down this person. It's really sort of accusing the person. But then... The last verse is very clearly not talking about that mighty hero anymore. And it is it becomes a prayer yeah. addressed to God oh. and really arresting on that. So that's one contrast. And the contrast, too, of, you know, the the mighty hero is the one who, in verse 3, loves evil and loves every harmful word. There's a, like a delight in wickedness. There's a delight in the harm that they bring. Mm-hmm. And when you contrast with God's unfailing love in verse 8, that establishes security and flourishing and i thought even when david talks about being like an olive tree whenever there's trees in the psalms it sort of piques my attention because i think back to psalm one which talks about the the blessed one who is like a tree uh, planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season Mm -hmm. also this week in our morning prayer as we record we spent some time in psalm 37 which talks about the wicked as a luxuriant native tree which grows quickly and then essentially withers and then when you look around, it's gone. So you have this contrast of the the trees that are enduring and then the trees that are passing away. And mm-hmm. here David's saying, I'm like, the contrast here is I'm of this sort of solid tree. So I just saw contrast yeah. kind of all over the place in this psalm. And so the women right now in our Bible study group are studying the fruits of the spirit. Oh, yeah. And so I saw that thread also of, you know, an olive tree is actually a fruit tree. <laughs> it's got a seed. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, that, that of that fruit you thrive if you stay in abide with mm. God and his word it's a protection yeah and i have to think that it was that lack of abiding that got david in trouble with 
Bathsheba. And right. So there's always in my head whenever I'm reading David's words, there, there's always the yeah, but David <laughs> in my head. And, and this time for the first time, having these two juxtaposed together, it was like, no, David is, he's not hiding from his sin. He mm-hmm. is, how do I say this? He wants us to know that we can always come to God, mm. that there's that eternal life in him. And so I just finally have stopped thinking, yes, but David, yes, but David. And <laughs> it's more like, no, Cheryl, stay with the Lord. Avoid his mistake. Yeah. And here in Psalm 52, I like the way there's this strong reminder. Remember the two ways that we set up in Psalm 1. Well, here are two ways. There's the way of this mighty hero set sarcastically, right? Mm-hmm. This one who loves evil. And then there's the one who's going to yeah, stay rooted and connected to God and then flourish. Right. Yeah. And in my life, I use it as sort of a signpost of no matter how old I get in, in my walk with the Lord and how many years I have on my mm. age, I can always go off path Yeah. if I'm not constructively staying in the presence of God. Yeah. That none of us are immune. It doesn't matter what vigor you had in the Lord and how fervent you were in your younger years. You've got to maintain it. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of our relationship with God is that the Holy Spirit is there to keep it coming mm-hmm. and yeah. to keep us on the right path. Yeah. Requires a certain level of humility, though, to <laughs> to say to say that right, like to not just think like, "Well, I've done this, I've been doing this for a while, so you know, mm-hmm. I should be good now." Yeah, and I think we all go through stages of that. You yeah, know, it's like oh, I've heard it before. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh yeah, that that psalm. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, then right. you do come kind of full circle and like, oh no, there's more. Yeah. Well, we've been talking a little bit about sort of staying connected to God, being the presence of God. Let's move to our second question and talk a little bit more about what we learn about God actually in this psalm. Well, the verses one where it says, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God. Mm. And then verse five, surely God will bring you down into everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from the tent your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. So I was looking for what does this say about God? I was looking yeah. for God's reference in here. What that tells me is that God sees all. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a time of judgment for those that practice evil. So nobody's going to get away with it. And mm-hmm. my, you know, I, don't want to bring in current events necessarily, but I think we all, all humans have lived in a time where they just see evil thrive. Yeah. They see injustice mm-hmm. and, and it just gets under your skin and it hurts your heart for mm. God. And yet we have to be confident that God st- sees it all, knows it, and there will be a reckoning for it. Yeah. And I mean, I think yeah, what you're saying is so true. And here it's interesting, going back to our context, the title su- is not suggesting that this is David looking back sort of in triumph over his enemies as king. This is in response to the event. It's in the midst of the event. And so there is this real sense of, 
David is proclaiming something he believes to be true about God, but not something he's witnessed Mm -hmm. about in this particular context, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Which I think is significantly true. And I love the way that you're applying it to us, right? The ways that Mm -hmm. even today we can witness people who love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth Mm -hmm. and think, how does this work? How are they? They seem, they're seeming to get away with it. Oh, yeah. 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 Every day, it seems that we see that. I was struck by in verse seven, the contrast that David makes here between making God the stronghold and trusting in wealth. I think that contrast of sort of you cannot serve both God and God and money, God and mammon, as mm-hmm. Jesus talks mm-hmm. about in the New Testament, it's sort of familiar to me from the New Testament, This the ways that sort of our wealth can be particularly insidious and impact us. And there's other Psalms that do this too, but I just thought, wow, here it's very explicit, Mm -hmm. explicitly held up that sort of the contrast between trusting in God and trusting in our stuff that can insulate us and make us feel secure. I mean, again, moving to kind of our current world, like it is just so easy to insulate your life by your resources and the things you have. You don't really even have to have that much (laughs) to begin to do that. I mean, we're talking relative amounts, right? And it's just so easy and so tempting always to find our stronghold in that. But the contrast of, it feels like David's saying the same trust that we are inclined to give to our stuff is the kind of trust that God is calling us to have in him. The Mm -hmm. same trust that, oh, Rachel and I are right now talking about renewing our home warranty. Mm. And it's like the same trust that you would put into a home warranty. Yeah, and comfort. You know, the comfort. Exactly. All those things. Like that's the kind of trust that God calls you to have and to rest in him. More so even than a home warranty, Absolutely. right? But yeah. No, it's true. We oftentimes don't have the opportunity to realize how dependent we are on those things psychologically. So um, way back in 2000, when I left the phone company, I was very aware that God was the provider of all the finances that my husband and I had. Mm. But the check came from Roseville Telephone Company every two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I retired and that check didn't come anymore. And it was an interesting psychological and spiritual journey with the Lord Mm. to say, okay, I do trust in you and here we go on a new journey. Yeah, it's one thing to say, yeah, oh, I know that all everything I have comes from God. It's another thing where it's like, okay, but I don't know where it's coming from next, <laughs> you know. Not yeah, so much. No. Well, and now at my age, also physical strength. You know, mm. as uh, we go through our 30s and 40s, if we've had average normal health and so forth, you know, things go along pretty good. In your 50s, you hit a few hiccups. And then in your 60s, you just sort of slam right up against old age, and then it just keeps coming harder and faster after that. And so it's humbling. The word humbling is mm. what I think that, you know, you can't trust in your own strength. It, you do what you can with everything you've got, but only God can get you from one moment to the next. Yeah. And David's in this place, right, where, I mean, <laughs> it talks about God plucking plucking this wicked one from the tent. David has been plucked from his tent. He's homeless now. He's on the run. And I think he that gives him a, a perspective that help, can help us see sort of the comforts that we have, the ways that we maybe make other things our strongholds. Mm-hmm. I love how in this conversation we've returned over and over to kind of ourselves and our lives because that's exactly what the Psalms do. And our last question especially leads us there. Because I'm curious how you think that this psalm helps us to pray. With confidence. Yeah. Was what struck me. Mm. Knowing that God is in control. God does know what's going on. He is our security. He is our safe, our stronghold, 
our safe place and we can trust him. Yeah. I was I was thinking about because <laughs> uh, this goes back to what we we're talking about earlier. This isn't a prayer. Most of it. Right. Verse nine is maybe the only yeah. kind of classic prayer piece of the psalm. But I was thinking, you know, I wonder if one thing I need to do, reflecting on what you're saying that we learn about God, that he sees all, that he will vindicate those who are oppressed and lowly, like there will be justice. If I don't sometimes need to pray that prayer, like God, like here's what I'm longing for. I'm longing for this to me be right. I'm longing for children who are sold into slavery to be free right. and for their oppressors to be brought low and punished. Like mm -hmm. these are the things I'm longing for. And not only am I longing for them, but with David and with scripture, mm -hmm. like I'm confident that you will do that. I get that because um, in my notes, that was one of the things I wrote down is that how am I to pray about evil? Yeah. Um, was one of the questions that in mm. prayer it brought up. Such but a good I, question. Yeah. But I think that what you just said is very true that we pray with confidence. Yeah. I mean, that was, the whole a lot of the journey that that jesus himself brought was to free the slaves yeah 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 right ultimately we all are slaves of sin uh -huh. and oppressed by sin and and there'll be victory i can't wait <laughs> i can picture it <laughs> and i think that's so beautiful cheryl because i think um that's like the positive side of the darkness that this psalm is reflecting on right is like there is a longing for something good and for God's restoration that even this psalm can help us cultivate, I think, as we pray and reflect on it and recognizing. I mean, one of the things even in our conversation, I think, is it just exposes, it can help us kind of name and recognize our own tendencies towards evil. Mm -hmm. But then also it really exposes God's active work that David had this, had this deep trust that God was at some point in the future going to make all things right which mm -hmm. is something really to rest in isn't yeah. it yeah it's a beautiful ending cheryl any other reflections on psalm 52 hmm. i just i loved it i i really did love god's and his holy spirit's way of offering me this opportunity to dig into this psalm and i enjoyed it very much well, thanks for joining me. I really appreciated your reflections. And like I said at the top, getting to have some conversation together, the yeah. two of us. What a delight around these psalms. Well, let's conclude with this final verse, which is a beautiful one and one also worth praying. For what you have done, I will praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. Friends, go out and pray the psalms. Hi, Curious Psalms listeners, Matt here with a small programming note. Starting now, we're going to begin releasing our episodes every other week rather than on a weekly basis. We began this podcast in the midst of quarantine as a resource and invitation to regularly engage with the Psalms. And while we're maybe not through the pandemic, we figured easing back on the pace a little would give the production team, which is uh, me, a little more time for the various other commitments that come with a slow return to normal. So keep listening, reading, praying with us. New episodes will just be coming every other Wednesday. Okay, now really, go out and pray the Psalms.